Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time for another Colchonero chat. We have just pressed record on this Monday morning. It's Labor Day in the U.S. I'm Jeremy. I'm joined by Robbie, who is over in Spain, and we are going to be discussing a couple of games, actually, Robbie. Uh, we're going to be reviewing Atletico's game at Real Sociedad on Saturday, uh, tinged with controversy, I think you can say. And then uh, later on in the show, we will be previewing the Champions League group stage opener against Porto at the Metropolitano on Wednesday. So, Robbie, let's get started. Uh, first of all, how you doing? It's been a couple weeks since we've uh, we've reconvened. Yeah, I'm doing great. Yeah, thanks for being Jeremy and, and uh, hello to everyone listening. I'm doing good and excited to get into. Excited for. I, I understand that the the season is kind of condensed and that it's fun from a fan and a, a fan and a writer's perspective, but it's it's not ideal in terms of players' health and. Uh, players being at 100 percent but as i said for a fan and for someone who watches the games it's a <laughs> it's a pretty pretty cool deal we've got here you know i, I would argue it's not going to be great for the writer's health either because like from here until the world cup man we've got games every three days pretty much yeah 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 it's, <laughs> uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting uh yeah by like mid-october i'm gonna be feeling the the uh, the burn so to speak but Anyway, that that that's in the the far future. Um, let, let's let's stick to the present and actually go back a couple of days to Saturday evening at Real Arena in San Sebastian. It finished one one between Real Sociedad and Atletico Madrid. 
Uh, I think a few different places we can start here, Robbie. But your general thoughts on what we saw on Saturday, uh, aside from the refereeing controversies. Um, yeah, I thought it was pretty much took down the pattern of a lot of Atletico's games now, and uh, it would it would it reflected a lot of what we saw last year, and it doesn't do a whole lot to kind of ease your concerns about Atletico's long uh, Atletico's hopes um, this season to challenge for silverware. I think that's a pretty succinct summary of what we saw. Um, you know, and I, I don't think, from a general point of view, there's not a whole lot to add on to that. I think we talked about this at the very start of the season, Robbie, when you have a squad with you, you retained 80%, 85% of an underachieving squad, you're probably going to continue to get underwhelming performances and results. Um, I thought parts of what Atletico did on Saturday were good. I think the first half uh, from Atleti's point of view was was pretty solid. Um, I think that they easily could have gone 2-0 up at halftime, uh, but Joe Felix had uh, the handball that ruled out Alvaro Morata's second goal. Jose Jimenez smacked a shot off the woodwork from a long ways out. Uh, Alex Romero actually saved it very impressively. Uh, but the, the second half was a different story, and Atleti's performance dropped off even just slightly, and that opened the door for Umar Sadiq's equalizer. That opened the door for all the complaints about Soto Grado's refereeing. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, I think you and I can agree that Atleti probably weren't good enough to take all three points here anyway. But when you when the perception is you're playing against the opposing team and the opposing referee and VAR official, that's what has made fans very upset about this result in particular. Yeah, but I don't really even get. I, I maybe I missed it, but I don't understand what the issue was. What what what's the problem? I don't I don't know what the problem is. To be honest with you. Well, there have been complaints about a couple of different things. It started in the first half uh, when Marco Llorente picked up a yellow card for arguing with with uh, Momo Cho, who just killed Atletico on the night, by the way, that he looks like a pretty exceptional yeah. young talent. He looks really good. Um, yeah. So, so yeah the, two of those players, the two of those players are booked for that, no? Yeah, they got, they both got booked. Uh, Llorente was not what? as demonstrative as Cho, so um, there there was, I think, some surprise that Llorente got booked as well. Uh, and in the second half, yeah. City Okay, but we're... Okay, but- I mean, and in the, in the second no, but half. No, but I mean that. No, no, and I'm not. I'm not. Sorry, I'm not having a, a go at you here. I'm just saying there's. I have no issue with that. You see that all the time. Yeah, all yeah. All the time. There's two players involved. Both of them get booked. No problem. Yeah, what's, that's what's, what's that's next? just discipline. The referee's got to do that. I think that's a, a, a less um, egregious isn't the word I want to use, but that's a a less noteworthy incident. Uh, Umar Sadiq's equalizer went off his arm. You know, he heads the ball down off his shoulder, off his arm and in, and it doesn't even go to VAR. Uh, Marata's goal, which was chalked off in the first half, that went to VAR after a pretty clear Jao Felix handball in the box. Okay, that's fine. But Sadiq's goal doesn't even go to replay review, which is a bit strange. <laughs> and then in the 96th minute, when Correa has a one v potential 1v1 opportunity in the penalty area, Soto Grotto immediately uh, blows up for a foul outside the area. I think it was Marino on Griezmann. Uh, instead of playing advantage, he blows up immediately for the free kick. So those are the two calls in particular that have, at least on Atleti Twitter that I've seen, uh, there are a lot of very upset folks. And after the game, uh, Koke, Witzel, Morata all spoke to the club and said, 
Uh, we deserve more than one point. This is ridiculous. There are you know, The referees give us a talk before the season, every season, and then what's applied is different from what they say. Uh, Tomas Mignones, who's the, the uh, club liaison at, at Atletico, he, he spoke to the official social media channels and went on this really impressive three-minute rant about the referees and about the refereeing committee. Uh, that That is worth viewing if you haven't viewed it yet, dear listener. But yeah, I think in a nutshell, those are the refereeing controversies. The Sadiq one in particular, uh, I wouldn't say it gnawed at me, but I think it's a little ridiculous. It didn't even go to review. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I see absolutely no problem with either with either of those decisions. Really? Um, like, whatsoever. I think, like, I mean, I think that um, uh, Sadiq quite clearly had his hand in and just kind of knocked it in with his, with his, um, with his, body more than reaching an arm out to like mm-hmm. yeah I just see absolutely no I see no problem I see no problem with that I don't see I mean I, I, I don't know I think it's I think it's Atletico Madrid complaining because they haven't done enough to win the game to be honest with you I think the Joe Felix one is quite clear he he, he lifts his arm up yeah they're, they're two separate things they're, they're I, they, those two are completely fair blowing it up outside the box for the free I understand the complaints about that but the tackle was bad and the referee just kind of got excited okay look we can crucify the, the man for that but he just got he just saw the foul and was like oh blow it there was nothing malicious in, 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 in his in his in his uh, desire to screw Atletico over for that mm-hmm. and I think any complaints are basically any any complaints are basically, and I understand Atletico's point here. They're trying to just kind of it's the same as what like Real Madrid do, and then they they complain about the the ref just to sort of they'll get the next one, and that's fine too. But I just think that it's Atletico Madrid have a, have a world class team. They've they've got a world class team, a world class attack. They've got this Spain number nine, the and a hundred twenty six million euro uh, youngster. Uh, they've got a, a a machine of a midfielder in Rodrigo de Paul, Coke and and Saul whatever. Jorente, uh, uh, who was who was arguably the most one of the most impactful players. His, the speed, the athleticism, um, the threat from that side. Uh, they've got, I mean, they've got an amazing team, and they they, they just can't go out and uh, they, or they won't go out and, and play and, and 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 take the game to the opponent. Instead, they're sitting back in this defensive um, uh, shape. Uh, long balls forward, hoping to win the second ball, and and then you're leaving it to chance with referee, little pokey decisions, just little pokey decisions, and you're going out like it's just like, is, is this what it's come to? Is this what it has come to? Like, I mean, and Atletico are okay, they're not out of the title race yet, but based on form, based on what we've seen, they're not winning the league this year. Yeah, they they basically they basically already are. Yeah, and and here we are sitting talking about a referees I mean and I, I say this all the time in terms of referee can I understand I'm not trying to be yes or no black and white can I understand what he was doing 100% mm-hmm. Joe Felix handled the ball in the build up to the goal 
99 times out of 100 that's given Omar Sadiq uh, he firstly Reynaldo misjudged it and he shouldn't did. have let him get that Sadiq just kind of throws himself at it he, his, his hand is in by his side and he just kind of knocks it in with his with his kind of shoulder body that that's given and I and, and, and it's 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 such a low sporting low scoring game that I think that like you look at the Premier League this this um this weekend and they're just looking for any reason to, to, to give away to not give the goal any reason yeah and it can't be like that and I just think that Look, I mean, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous from the players, Atletico players, and they're just clutching at straws after a game, another game where they didn't do enough to win. They're they're under the cosh against a side who they who they who they who they tower over in terms of in, in financially, and who should who they should be beating. Uh, we'll say eight times out of ten, and they haven't done enough again. And they're they're relying then on a couple of substitutions to come on. And when they did actually come on. Correa, uh, Correa, Griezmann come on, and Atletico actually started playing a little bit in that last ten minutes. Real Sociedad rattled. They were. Real Sociedad were playing down the time. Why, why don't you play like that all the time? I don't want to hear it about referees because it's absolute <laughs> nonsense. Especially when they're not like you get. You get some decisions that are literally baffling, and I'm like, let's talk about that because I want to get inside the mind of the ref and say why did he do that? But then even at that. They make mistakes. Like it's not not everything is this conspiracy theory against your team. No, but I know right. the stakes are high, and I just think it's ridiculous and it's embarrassing from the club. To be honest with you, from for, uh, and 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 that's it. I mean, you've got enough players there to. I don't know. I just don't think. Look, I, I, I to be honest with you, I think that football is in a weird place at the moment in terms of refereeing, in terms of. Uh, yeah, and, and that's not just in Spain. I think all over. I think the play, the, the the refs are. It's weird because the refs are kind of trying to let it flow. You can see that they're letting a lot of the stuff go, but then they're blowing for bizarre things and letting letting bigger fouls go. Mm-hmm. Like Morata, I would have more problem. Morata was pulled to the ground a couple of times. I'd actually be more like that. And he was getting so frustrated. Yeah, Lin pulled, like, him down, pulled him down. Pulled him down in the area. <laughs> Twice. Yep. Uh, well, even even just even just attacks that that came to nothing because he was pulled to the ground. I, that may be more than the other ones, but like even at that, like I mean, the ref, uh, the uh, the but they go they go the state of refereeing at the moment is poor for every team and I just think that Atletico need to do more and I think I'd prefer to focus although having said that focusing on the what Atletico aren't doing right is just going to be another rant me talking about how Simeone doesn't know what he's doing with his team <laughs> and, and you know Damn. <laughs> so which one do you want to pick? Wow, you you have come into this show just firing from every possible angle. This is great. Uh, no, but I, I think I think your general point that Atletico weren't good enough anyway. I think you and I agree on that. Um, that if you're not good enough and you open yourself up to refereeing decisions influencing the game, then you need to reevaluate and have more self criticism. And that's what frustrated me about Koke's post game comments is that there just wasn't enough. Autocritica, you know, there just wasn't enough self-criticism and desire for self-improvement. Like, you, you can talk about the nine yellow cards that were shown in this game. There were more yellow cards for La Real players and Atletico players, for what it's worth. 
Um, but you, you, you said something about how Atletico dominated the game in the final stages, and I think that is concurrent with Antoine Griezmann's entry into the game. La Real did not have a shot attempt, uh, the final a shot attempt on goal in the final half hour. Uh, Momo Cho's uh, left-footed effort on the hour was the last shot that made its way to Oblak, or Ivo Gerbic after Oblak went out injured. Uh, Atletico were very, very good the final 25 minutes or so once Griezmann came on for his allotted half an hour of game time. Um, seven progressive yeah. passes for Griezmann in, in just about 28 minutes. Um, racked up a lot of progressive distance, four progressive carries. Uh what did what have you made of this the the club politics here, Robbie, of, of Griezmann only playing twenty eight twenty nine minutes for the time being? Yeah, I think I think basically they're they're they're, they're probably just trying to get at uh, trying to nego- trying to force Barcelona into negotiations because if 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 Barcelona see these these guys aren't gonna they're just gonna play, play like uh, play the technicality in the negotiate in the in the contract and we're not going to get any we're not going to get anything for them um, they, they'll go to back to the table and be like okay look just give us 10 million now and that's it and you can play them whenever but I, I think I, I, I don't really to be honest with you I, I, I don't I think it's quite petty from Atletico and but at the same time I can understand their point in that they don't have 40 million to be paying any club for a player um for, for regardless of who he is or, or what stature he holds at, at a club um, or, or what he can do for your team and well I don't really like it from the point of view that um, that like Florentino Perez was often criticised for oh he's picking the team he has influence in the team like Simeone is literally being given a a, a rule here yeah. he's not to co- he can't come on from before 60 minutes and that automatically you're going in here right we've got a 23 man squad but no wait a minute we don't we've got a 22 man squad until the 60th minute and then what we'll do is we'll that that that's not ideal uh now on the point that it's i, I understand atletico's point of view i don't really know what javier tebas is trying to do in terms of he's trying to even out the league uh, and, and and he's trying to protect teams from themselves in terms of spending and, and overspending, so he's kind of bet, he's betting on this football, uh, the, the 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 current climate of spending transfers buying your way out of trouble. He's betting on it being a bubble, and he's betting on that bubble bursting. The problem is, he's also hamstringing uh, La Liga teams. Like you look at um, like like so. He's 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 done a great work in terms of evening out the distribution of TV rights. Great. Yeah. But Girona, no, not Girona. They're not a great example because they're they're linked with Man City. But you look at Almeria, and no, Almeria. Now Almeria run by a like, sheik. <laughs> uh, yeah. Who 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 else? Who who's the third team to come up this season? Uh, Almeria. Well, Valladolid. Oh, and by Adelaide, um, yeah. like like you look at the money that they've spent, and even Almeria, like they had to sell to. They like sold there's, there's clubs down at the bottom. Who, who, there, there's yeah, and there's only um, there's there's clubs here who've only spent like a million in the transfer market, and I'm not saying that transfers are to be all and end all, and we probably have gotten a little bit over uh, reliant on transfers or, or 
the coaches have probably got a little bit over reliant on transfers to 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 fix uh, problems when it should be just better coaching. But like when you're spending a million versus clubs who are going spending 60, 70, 80, 90 million in Barcelona a lot more than that. Yeah. You're 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 basically condemning them to like you get a club coming up from the Segunda and and they need reinforcements. Like we look at Nottingham Forest this um, this this summer and they signed I think it was something ridiculous like fourteen players. They, they um, signed they signed twenty and, players, and, uh, a literal squads worth of players. A squads worth of players, um, and because winning uh, getting promoted from the second division does not necessarily mean that you've got a squad that's anywhere nearly ready to compete so it's it's kind of a weird way of 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 hamstringing those other teams as well and i don't know at what point does does javier tebas's remit or 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 does his um uh uh what's it called does his is he overstepping his boundaries here in terms of if Real Betis want to spend two hundred million and go bankrupt, that's up to them. That should be and their right. I understand right. that Betis fans listen to this. I bet his fans listening to this are going to be like, "Oh no, we don't want to go bankrupt." But like, as and they, these are institutions that are that are embedded in the cities that they're in, and and there's so much history, and and there is I, I do appreciate the the effort to, to protect them, but at the same time. If 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 Atletico want to spend forty million, or if they want to spend money on someone, and then they go and they end up in the second division in five years or three years because of that, like, why 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 is heavier Tebas is uh, trying to stop that? And and I just don't know. And I'm not saying that that's a definitive uh, answer. As in, I I I'm I'm on either side of it. I'm just trying to figure out where does his boundary end, and when when does his um. What's the word I'm looking for? Where does his where does his authority end, right? end, or where does his yeah, like his yeah, well, yeah. At what point does his yeah, yeah, and I think that's a good point. It's also something I wanted to talk about today, Robbie, is this idea that we're throwing it back ten years in La Liga, right? Uh, it it th- my perception is that there are two absolutely overwhelming teams at the top in Madrid and Barcelona, and those are the only two clubs who were really able to spend this summer, uh, and Barca were only able to do it by you know. Uh, the Palancas by activating the economic levers. They ended up doing four or five of them, selling off all this future revenue and possible earnings to to be good now and to register really good players now, which they've done. But to me, it's it's not as interesting when we have a two-horse race. It's not as interesting when we have Madrid and Barca in a 95-point league and no one else will crack 80 points. Like, Atletico could easily finish third this year but still finish 20 points off the top, and that's not good. Part of what has made La Liga, to me, uniquely compelling in the last few years is that we've had three different title winners. Uh, we had Barca win it in 2019, and Madrid the year after that, Atletico the year after that. Uh, in England, I know it's only September 5th, but Man City look really good. They look as if they're primed to win a fifth Premier League title in six years. Um, Bayern are on their way to an 11th Bundesliga crown in a row, it looks like. Uh, Serie A's got, you know, the Milan teams and, and Juventus, uh, Napoli as well. That could be an interesting race in, in Serie A again. But I think the financial controls, when they were implemented in 2013, when, when Tebas became the president, a great, great idea. You want parity in the league. You want the TV rights money distributed. Um, you want this, this revenue doled out more evenly, more equally, in a more equitable manner for 90% of the teams that, unlike Madrid and Barcelona, can't necessarily take care of themselves quote unquote right 
uh, and I feel like we're throwing it back to 2010, 2011, 2012. Uh, one, in one of those years, like Valencia finished third on 61 points, and they were 30 points off second place. Um, I feel like we are dangerously close to re-entering that territory, and it's not good for the league. And I think it should prompt a re-evaluation of the financial controls. Like the, the, the Premier League brings in, what, 4 billion euro, uh, 4 billion quid, for their TV rights deals, La Liga, about half of that. Like, there's only so many ways you can make up that gap. And one fundamental reason why that gap is what it is is because one league speaks English, the other does not. I think that's just kind of a reality. Um, and that, I'm not saying that makes one bad and the other good. It's just a lot of people speak English. Um, but, and, I, and you and I have talked before about investing in analytics, investing in sports science, investing in video um, film review, coaching, uh, finding smaller uh, minutiae in order to pull one over on your opponent. But money talks. Like Nottingham Forest literally acquired 20 players this summer. 20! Like, that's not, something is not right with the football as a whole, the football economy as a whole. But in La Liga, I think something can be done about this. I don't like this feeling. Barcelona already have a plus 10 goal difference in four games. They drilled Sevilla the other night. I know Sevilla have a ton of problems, but they just absolutely drilled them. Uh, you know, I, I feel like we're throwing it back a decade, and I don't like it. It's not as interesting to me. Yeah, and, 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 and like you said there about the scouting and, and what we've seen with Sevilla, for example, uh, you, you might catch them, you might catch these teams that uh, wish... Uh, bottomless pockets um for two or three years but eventually you're you're gonna that that competitive edge is gonna wear off and you're screwed again and you're you're constantly you're, you have to rebuild and there's three years of, or two years of rebuilding which is exactly what severe kind of doing right now in terms of they've overachieved with lopetegi and they're having to uh, pair it back down again because they were kind of going with the flow of how well Lopetegui was doing with them and they were like Champions League but the reality is Monchi is like we, we can't compete here we can't even even the, the, the kind of fake title run last season where they were like possibly going to uh, keep up with the with, with Madrid and that like even that was a, a something Monchi was probably looking at going this is this is ridiculous like we're nowhere nearly as good as this team and and and, and you you end up kind of some teams end up falling for that and being like oh yeah we're up there with them you're not you're not things have gone your way you're on a good run but you're not and the sooner you realize you're not in the same league as them the better for your the health of your club and and i just think um yeah to be honest with you i really really don't know like i mean i'm in uh, lots of uh, whatsapp groups with different groups of friends and all and each and every one of them it's just kind of talking about the money and the and the disadvantages and the you know and, and the 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 games that are just foregone conclusions like you know uh, uh and but it, I don't know. I mean, that's um, that's just and then the constant talk about the farmers' leagues and yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know where where you go. Like, I mean, there's only so much scouting and data can help you when when the the the, the odds aren't even uh, to begin with. Like, the data and the scouting might help you in like a five percentage, but it's not pulling you back from. It's not you're not uh, a league a league one team is might catch PSG on the hop one year but you're not doing it consistently it's, no. and, and, and another team is going to have to come through then no like I mean I, I don't know I, I, I just think uh, 
yeah, football's in a kind of a weird space, and you just have to. For me, and I like, there's been a lot of talk about the Bundesliga, and I understand that Bayern have drawn their last two now, and it's like, oh, well, there's the talk about title. Uh, no, there's not. There's not a title race there. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I don't know, but they've won the last. They've won the, for the last decade. They've won. So I'm just saying, like, uh, you know, and there's a lot of people saying that's that's not even a competition. When you win it that many times in a row with with as many points to spare as they have, it's it, it ceases to be a competition. And I wonder, like. You just, I think, you just have to find enjoyment in watch in in the act of watching the sport for the sake of watching the sport and seeing young players develop and new coaches coming through and how your team is doing and how they did against these guys and maybe when they do play the big boys, you just hope that they can um, they can uh, they can manage to uh, like like we saw Rio against Barcelona, like just hanging on for dear life and just everything went their way and they got a result. But back back to the point about Atletico, like we're, we're talking here as if Atletico or no, sorry, I don't know, if we are or not, but. I don't want to give the impression here that Atletico should be let off the hook here either. It's not like they're uh, they're, they're they're they've a team full of nobodies. Like they've got a seriously impressive team, and I just think that back to my a lot of my points I made last season is that I just it doesn't really look. And, and to be honest with you, I've noticed maybe I don't know why, or maybe I'm listening to different people now, but I just noticed that there's a little bit more criticism being aimed at Simeone now, um, and. It's 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 against Valencia. We we saw it, and like Atletico's, Simeone's Atletico are supposed to be the the intensity. Like that's supposed to be their thing. But Valencia just wiped the floor with them on that front. Now Valencia got really really tired at the end because they're not really used to playing like that. It'll probably take them a while to to figure out exactly. And well, we saw it last night. Yeah, and then they just hammered Hitafe, they hammered Hitafe with a great goal from Samuelino, <gasps> by the way, on loan from Atleti. Yeah, yeah, man, he looks good. He but, looks um, like a player. But yeah, so my, my my point is that what I was, you know, you were, you were saying uh, about Simeone. Yeah, sorry. So their their thing is supposed to be intensity, but we saw against um, against Valencia that they couldn't keep up for for the first hour. It was it was Valencia who were who were really going at them, and the same again the other night with Real Sociedad. It was Real Sociedad that were kind of causing them problems, and Atletico were sitting back and and second to a lot of uh, a lot of balls and stuff. So um, yeah, I just uh, when when you when you start to lose that as well, and then. I, I, yeah, and another thing which doesn't really, I know that Atletico are this hard age team, but like just a lack of discipline as well. It doesn't really isn't really a great sign, and you know like Saul probably could have been. They're they're, they're a great example. Why aren't we talking about Saul's elbow to David Silva? Why didn't that go? That they were they were one hundred percent yellow cards in the first week of the season. We saw a penalty given first. We saw a bunch of yellow cards. Yao Felix was given a uh, no no um, Marash I think was given a yellow. Uh, for the exact same thing, that kind of just flailing arm, and Saul caught David Silva, like mm. caught him with a sharp, bony part of the elbow, like that—that's in the first half, and he's yeah. on—he's on thin ice, and all of a sudden Simeone is having to make a decision here at half time, and I understand that Saul probably would have been one of the first players to go anyway. But when you're when you're when you're giving him no option, and it's like, look, you've kind of backed me into a corner here. I have to take you out because the next tackle, you're gone, and. Same with Rodrigo de Paul. I mean, he's he's just constantly skating to nice and uh, 
I just think he needs to get smarter with his tackles. Like we saw, we talk about Casemiro being this kind of uh, guru of not getting cards. <laughs> De Paul is the exact opposite of that. He doesn't know how, or he, he doesn't know how to, or he he just. He even said it to ref. He, he put his finger up. He's like, "That's my first one." And it's like, "Yeah, but you need to ease your way into it. Just kind of a little nibble here, a little nibble there. Don't go fully in." Yeah, <laughs> like that's first, that's what Casemiro you know, is a good example of that. That's what he's gotten away with for a long time. Is just you know one or two tackles yeah. here. Just let the opponent know you're there. You won't get booked for the first couple. Like you get freebies. DePaul just launches into exactly. Tackles. You know, if and, you just go and, and sour all of a too. With with Casemiro. And all of a sudden with Casemiro and the refs it becomes a game of cat and mouse you get the first one okay and the ref is looking at you and you're like oh yeah and you kind of look at him and you're like nah nah not really ref you know okay go ahead <laughs> next one a little bit a little bit lighter like a little bit of a tug of the jersey or a little kind of a push and you're looking to ref ah oh, ref come on you're being hard on me now ref come on and then all of a sudden you give your third free and you're like ah oh, ref now you get the last one you gave to him but that one Come on, like that was never a free. And the ref all of a sudden is like, ah, yeah, man. Ah, it's, a, it's, it's a psychological warfare. Then the ref is looking at you going, oh, well, I can't, yeah, I, I can't really, I feel like maybe I am picking on this guy a bit. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, like, it becomes a thing. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Casemiro, he's, he's seven fouls into the game. It's 70 minutes. He pulls the guy down and the ref's like, okay, I'm going to have to book this guy. It's not quite a red card, but... I just had to book him because it's it's like an orange card, but I can't give. And then all of a sudden, he's he's after fouling the player eight times. Each of them, none of them really that bad. He's made it eighty minutes or seventy five minutes into the game before he got his card. And even then, he's looking at the ref, going, "Wow, ref was borderline, you know." Whereas Rodrigo de Paul launches in ten minutes, and all of a sudden you're marked. The referee is looking at you, going, "This guy doesn't even know how to tackle." I'm watching him. And I'm sorry, even before that, these guys know who Rodrigo de Paul is. They know, they're watching it. And they're just like, it's kind of like Bruno Fernandes. He's just constantly talking, constantly getting involved in this this, this dialect with, with, the, refer- with the referee and, 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 and the, the um, players. And it's just like, man, focus on your game. Like, you know, you're not really playing that well. And DePaul shouldn't even be called upon to, to make tackles like this anyway. That's not what he's best at. Like he's being asked to do things that he's not the, not good at doing. Let's just be frank about it. When DePaul was at Udinese, that team was built around him. It was built around his passing. It was built around his late runs into the box. His last season at Udinese, he had, what, 17 or 18 goal involvements? He's had, I think, three or four since joining Atletico. And he played another pretty ineffectual hour on Saturday. Only 20 touches, only 11 passes attempted. He's off after 62 minutes for Griezmann, who had a much more significant impact as an interior uh, midfielder. So I once again wonder what it is that DePaul offers Atletico. I know he can offer more. We've seen it at Udinese. We've certainly seen it when he plays for Argentina. But at Atletico, and man, I think this also goes back to your point about Simeone, is that the the plan still isn't clear. Um, I think we you know we can say Cholo doesn't have um, enough pieces, but he has plenty of pieces here to make this work. And you know they've already dropped two points in four games. They had a, a really disappointing season last year uh, with a lot of these same concerns that we're talking about. Players playing out of position. Player Axel Witzel has been playing at center back all season. Um, I think he's been doing pretty good. So far, he completed 96% of his passes on Saturday. I'd say his stock is is up. But, you know, Witzel's being played out of position. Reynildo's being played out of position. He's He came over as a left back. He's now playing as a left-sided center back. 
Llorente's playing it right back. He might actually be a better right back than a midfielder, honestly. Um, Mario Hermoso comes in. He's basically playing as a left back. Griezmann's playing as a midfielder. Saul's playing at midf- in midfield, and he's also playing at left wing back. Uh, you know, there's it's there's something to be said for having a versatile team with players who can play in multiple positions. But if you're playing everyone at their second best position, you're gonna get second best performances. That's kind of what I think. And credit to La Real as well. Emmanuel Aguasil is one of the best coaches in La Liga. He's been there for four years now. He's shown that he's very adaptable. His teams play an attractive style. They played a four diamond two on Saturday that did give Atleti quite a few problems. I mentioned Momo Cho earlier. David Silva at 36, almost 37, Robbie, is still so classy. He still has such quality on the ball. Um, Bryce Mendez, I think, was a really smart signing for them. Mikel Marino and Robin Lenormand are among the best in the league at their positions. Alex Romero as well. They're a good team. So, you know, this is... If you want to compete for the title, this is one I think you have to win. But, you know, Atletico aren't competing for the title this year. So, yeah, you take the point and, and you get vent your frustrations about the officiating and you move on. Yeah, exactly. That seems to be the the, the way to go, yeah. Yeah. Um, Atletico do have some injury problems, though, which you, you will not be surprised to learn, Robbie. Uh, Jan Oblak got knocked out late in the game. He had to exit in the final five minutes after... A bit of friendly fire. Uh, Reynildo accidentally took him out with a slide tackle, trying to uh, cut out a Take Kubo pass to Sadiq in the penalty area. He is going to be out for the Porto game on Wednesday, which is a good opportunity for us to switch gears. Uh, no All Black. Tomale Ma is expected to play after a muscle, or after a, a bruise ruled him out of the uh, game on Saturday. Um, I, I think you know, we. Atletico faced Porto last season, Robbie, in the group stage. Uh, that second game in Porto was box office. That was a lot of fun. Um, this group, yeah. uh, on paper, Robbie, this group appears winnable. Um, Porto have had a really good 2022. They just dominated the Portuguese league on their way to the title last year. They're currently third in the Primeira Liga uh, as we speak. But, you know, th- this... The group stage draw last month was pretty kind for Atletico, certainly relative to recent years. And, you know, it's a good opportunity to get some momentum going. And the cup competitions are their best shot at winning silverware this year. I don't think there's any question. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's going to be it's going to be hard um, attack inducing group stage because some really good games there by your Leverkusen have got a have got a coach I just happened to watch them a couple of times and um they've got a really good coach. Uh he's Spanish Swiss national is, is and he um he's he's excellent, plays really attacking. Actually might suit Atletico in terms of um in terms of being able to kind of take advantage of winning the ball back off them and and a counter attacking, but and I have I haven't seen too much of Porto to be honest with you, so uh, I I can't really say much about that. But they, but based off what what the what the experts uh, and and the the probabilities of winning are, it looks like it's a really really open even group and Atletico. It definitely could have been a lot worse for Atletico, yeah. Yeah, like they could have drawn Bayern, they could have drawn Man City, they could have drawn PSG. It could have been a lot worse for them. They genuinely have a chance to win their group for the first time since 2016. That's a long time. Um, And Porto retained a lot of the players from last year's squad. Uh, They've got four wins and a loss so far in uh, in domestic action. Medi Taremi is their top goal scorer with three so far in five games. 
uh, 0.7 goals per 90. That's a pretty decent rate. Um, and yeah, Atletico, I think, will look forward to the opportunity to return home. Uh, I think we also have to keep in mind, this is Mestaya and Real Arena inside the first five weeks of the season. That's that's tough. It doesn't excuse the, you know, Atleti weren't impressive at Mestaya, and they stole that one anyway. Uh, they weren't all that impressive at Anoeta, and, you know, they finished 1-1. So I think they will look forward to the opportunity to play at home, play in a cup competition, and, and it breeds confidence. You know, it, Jao Felix usually shows up for these games. He's a former Porto Academy graduate. I think he'll be up for this one. He hasn't had a goal involvement since match day one of La Liga. So I'm backing him to get on the score sheet. He, he should have he should have had an assist for Angel Correa at the end of the Sociedad game. Oh, and yes. He, and Angel Lovely, lovely ball, and 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 Correa and Felix was really, really upset as well after that. And he then. was, yeah. So yeah, yeah. No, I think Joe Felix, when he's let play and and, and he gets chances, he, he he's he, he's kind of developed, or maybe he had it all along. But we've definitely seen way more um, personality from him. So um, and yeah, you're right. I think he likes the big stage. So definitely gonna be gonna be uh, excited to watch him this season in the Champions League. He gets fouled so much. The stat I saw on social media this weekend was he's now been fouled, Robbie, 13 times in 326 minutes in La Liga. Like, you know, the best players yeah, find yeah, yeah. find their way out of that. The best players uh, don't let it get to them. But he still lets it get to him, I think. He still gets frustrated by the grabbing, the tugging, especially the swipes at his ankles, which we know are a bit uh, a bit fragile. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think he's a bit like Neymar in that. Uh, in that, a he's really, really elusive. So players just kind of have to resort to pulling him down. And I also think sometimes he's quite smart in that he, when he knows he's got his back to goal and he is, uh, he's got no real options. He 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 provokes a free. Um, and 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 I've spoken about this before. But the way that he plays, he kind of and he's so quick and he trusts his his, his ability to beat a player. Um, he waits for the player to make the move and then he goes and I think that that kind of he's just a really elusive player and that provokes a lot of a lot of fouls mm-hmm. yeah that's a, a huge amount of, of contact and to be suffering so hoping he finds a little more space on Wednesday and also it's, it's going to be a start for Evo Gerbich with Oblak out due to a, a deep bruise he suffered uh, on Saturday the hope from what I've read, the hope is that he is back on Saturday against Celta, but he will not play on Wednesday. So Ivo Gerbic will get to make his Champions League debut after spending last season out on loan at Lille. Uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to say because we haven't seen him play much game action for Atletico, but do you think there's going to be a serious step down from Oblak? Do you think that um, th- there will be less defensive security, yeah. a bit more nerves? Yeah, I'd be a little bit concerned in the fact that he went to Lille last season and he ended up losing his place, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah about halfway, the halfway the through the, the year. Yeah. Yeah, he lost his place. And um, maybe he's a good goalie, but you know yourself, goalie, it's all about kind of playing and, and consistency and understanding the, the players in front of you and knowing their tendencies. And I think he also probably... Well, coming on for the last 15 or whatever minutes against Real Sociedad gave him a chance to kind of get rid of those nerves. But yeah, you could tell he knew this was something that's so rare. Like, Oblak plays every game. He's You, you can't possibly 
be mentally prepared like like he doesn't Oblak doesn't get injured and he doesn't he, he plays um, so I think it's kind of hard for a goalkeeper to be mentally ready for, for that to, like you can say you are and you can kind of hope you are and stuff like that and you can do everything you want to prepare yourself but at the same time when the moment comes it's kind of a little bit of a shock to the system and I think Gerbic did have a lot of kind of nervous energy we could see that in his body movements when he came on against Real Sociedad there was a ball got sent into the far post and they kind of tried to test him and he, he kind of he did fine I mean he, he, he let it go out but he was a little bit nervous And but yeah maybe the fact that he's gotten the chance to uh, actually step onto the field as an Atletico player in, in a La Liga game and the fact that he is now has the time to a couple of days to prepare um, maybe we won't but uh, it's just the fact that yeah the, the being dropped from Lille uh, late last season and then coming back and not playing and yeah I don't know I don't know like I mean we saw we saw Benjamin Lecomte for example he was John O'Black's deputy last year and mm-hmm. didn't play any game time and then we saw him against es- for Espanyol in the first three games this season and he was like I mean a disaster uh, start for the man he like they had to go out and sign a goalkeeper because he got red card against uh, Real Madrid and it looks like he's, he's gonna so it looks like he's finished as, as Diego Martinez is um, goalkeeper for Espanyol so it, it, like just because you're Jan Oblak's deputy doesn't mean you're good <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you can't prove it now so uh, let's, let, let's see let's see we, we, I don't know yeah, is, I, my, is my long winded answer <laughs> I, I guess we're going to find out if the extra couple of days of prep will, will do him good uh, how would you assess Atletico's chances to perhaps win the Champions League this year Robbie quarterfinal appearance last year as we've discussed uh, earlier, uh, a, a, on paper, a winnable group, but Atleti like to make things complicated for themselves uh, in the group stage in recent years. How far do you think this team can go? I know it's dependent on matchups, but how would you assess their chances to win the European Cup for the first time? Well, well, you just said it there. I mean, it's dependent on matchups, and winning your group is the number one way of getting an easier, an easier, um, an easier run. Uh, so you just have to kind of finish top of your group. They, they've had a little bit of luck, and in fairness, Atletico like haven't really been that lucky in terms of um, in terms of draws, uh, and maybe that's just because they're a kind of a second tier team. So. I, Naturally, they're going to get a Man City or a or a or a who, who have they had recently in their group. They're going to get a Bayern Munich yeah. or a someone in their group that 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 makes them kind of that overshadows them. Um, they've been lucky with the draw, and it's just a matter now of finishing top and then just hoping the chips fall your way. Um, and and then like I mean. We, we know as we saw against against uh, Man City last season there is a game or a big game or two in in Atletico like there is um, when their backs are to the wall when when and, and we also saw that the, the, the best team doesn't always win it I mean Man City the, the European football is just a completely different game that knockout football is just it just uh, it has a different vibe to it like I mean uh, you see City and how they dominate um, teams in the Premier League and how they dominate teams in the group stages in knockout football you you you, you think things fall your way on, an, on the night and all of a sudden 
it's uh, and, and this is what Real Madrid have been able to do so well they just kind of get a little bit of momentum for 30 minutes in a game the next thing they blitz you and it's game over and uh, yeah so if Atletico can kind of make the path as easy as they can for themselves there's there's definitely a big game or two in them and they've got the players like I said like I said at the start of the pod to score the goals when needed so uh, yeah let's see yeah, you never know. A, a, a favorable matchup, a big performance here and there, and before you know it, you're in a semifinal. So we will see what happens. Um, we, you know, everyone around the club really wants to win the Champions League because they've come so close in recent years under Simeone. Who knows? Maybe this could be the year. Wearing, wearing these uh, these home shirts in particular, wearing these these wavy home shirts that are extremely unpopular. I think the stat I saw is like they've seen a forty percent drop in in home shirt sales. Oh well, yeah, they're not great. Yeah, no, they're not. They're really not great. I like the away. The, I like them. the away shirt though. The black and blue is really sharp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that wavy line on the red one. It's just the, the waviness, and then the color isn't great either. So the color's uh, bad. Yeah, It'd be kind of funny if, if <laughs> kind of funny if they had a historic season and won silverware wearing this shirt. But you know, stranger things have happened. Yeah. So we'll have to see. As a man, as a man with no style, I. I'm not very confident in my fashion opinions, but that is not good. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're saying it, Robbie, then there must be something to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we are going to leave it there for the time being. Robbie, thank you so much for hopping on the show today, man. Always great to talk to you. Yeah, no problem. And we'll be chatting uh, every day for the next three days. Or sorry, every three days for the next for the foreseeable future, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to put a date on it. Yeah, we, we are going to be uh, d- doing these pretty frequently, I'd imagine. We will be back uh, midweek to discuss the Porto game at the Civitas Metropolitano. Uh, thank you all for listening and for your continued support. You can follow us on Twitter at Into the Calderon, on Patreon at patreon.com slash Chat for bonus goodies. And also make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Spotify. You get all new and archived episodes of Colch Narrow Chat, as well as our sister show, the Partido a Partido podcast. They just dropped a 75-minute uh, preview of Atletico Femenino's season, which is just about to get underway. So make sure you go listen to that. And we will leave it there for now. Thank you all again for listening, and we'll chat with you later this week. Adios. <laughs>